Is there a more enjoyable team to watch than Iowa? I don't think so. And head coach Lisa Bluter is here to talk all about it with us. Locked on women's basketball starts now. You are locked on women's basketball. Your daily podcast on women's basketball. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Well, hi there, and welcome to Locked On Women's Basketball. I'm your host, Howard Magdal, thanking you for making us your first listen every day, five days a week. We've got everything women's basketball. Every Saturday, we're talking WNBA draft. Make sure you follow us wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, it's not just me. It is the entire team of us over at the next, thenexthoops.com, where we have over 100 reported pieces on women's basketball every single month. Make sure you're supporting $9 a month, $72 a year to be part of what we are building at the next. And let me tell you what we cover a lot at the next, and that is Iowa women's basketball. And, you know, I was trying to come up with an analogy for what it is to watch Iowa. I've had the privilege of covering Lisa Bluter teams for years. I've had a chance to see them live on television, you name it. It's almost like a fireworks show on the court is kind of the way I would describe it. And so, so Coach, it's great to see you, obviously. I'm, I'm curious beyond just what we're seeing to coach a team like this. How much joy do you get out of having this team this year that feels almost uniquely situated in terms of bringing people back, five starters, third year in a row, to be able to maximize that execution of your vision? Well, first of all, Howard, we do have fireworks before our games. And so, uh, you know, Carver-Hawkeye Arena is an amazing place to watch games and our, our attendance is off the charts. You know, we ended the season last year with three straight sellouts, 15,004 people, 400 people in Carver. So, uh, yeah, come for the fireworks. You know, I, I like that analogy, Howard. Um, but really, it is such a joy for me to be able to have three years in a row, the same starting lineup. I mean, nobody gets that kind of consistency. It's uh, unheard of really. And so, uh, I, you know, we have a veteran team. We're thankful for that. Cause right now, you know, I, I can give them a little bit more less reps and I can give the younger classmen a few more reps than they maybe would get um, with a all inexperienced team. And so uh, it, it's really nice to pass down the culture too, to have people that are in your program and they've been there for, you know, four years, maybe five years like Monica, and they can pass down that rich tradition that we have here at Iowa and that culture that we have. And the next group can embrace it and, and on and on it goes. Monica, M- Monica Zanano, for those who don't know, is just as efficient a big as there is in the country. And again, you know, you guys are number one by any advanced metric you can come up with in terms of offense. And so I want to get to that. I want to get to the reasons why and why it seems, at least from the outside, like you guys are in a position to be even better this year, which is a strange thing to consider. Um, But I know also defense is something that we've talked about as well. And so even just to start there, you said something to me last year when we chatted where you said, um, and this was two years ago, you said we were an F, we want to be a C plus. And, you know, you look at the numbers and across the board, 
they went up considerably. You, you know, you were in the bottom one percentile in defense two years ago. You were about 36 percentile this past year, which, again, you combine it with the level of offense you were playing. Yeah, that's how you win championships. The next level, that's how the Mystics did it. That's how the Aces just did it. Two things for you. What grade would you have given yourself last year? And where do you think you can or need to get to defensively this year? Oh, that's funny. Um, I'd say we were we were uh, maybe a C plus. We might have gotten there um, last year. We made a huge jump. We went up like a hundred spots in synergy from uh, last year to or to this two years ago to last year's season. Um, but there's work to be done still. Like, and and that's what's exciting is we do have one of the top offensive teams in the country. But if we can just now, okay, let's try to get to a B minus this year. And let's try to also um, work on our rebounding. We can get more offensive and defensive rebounds is another area that we're really trying to stress with our program this year. And so, boy, I think if we can, you know, improve in both of those areas, we could, um, we, we could be fighting for another championship for sure. One of my favorite parts, I'm glad you mentioned defensive rebound. You are eighth in the country in defensive rebounds per game last year. So that was a big, significant spot. And you've talked to me about this, that, you know, defensive rebounding is as important a defensive stat as there is. Obviously, you know, it's by definition. It's your ending a possession. Um, but you had <laughs> just her numbers. They never cease to amaze me. You had Caitlin Clark getting 20.2% of her available defensive rebounds. You know, before we even get into the shooting, into the passing, into how careful she's been with the ball, how does that happen? How is a player able to do all that and crash the defensive boards for you like that? Well, there's a kid that wants the ball in her hands, mm -hmm. you know, and, and she knows that. And she, you know, it's like if everybody else does their job and boxed out, maybe she'll go in and reap the benefit of that. Mm -hmm. But everybody has their job to do, right? And sometimes, you know, we get on Caitlin because she doesn't box out. Um, and we want all five to box out, ideally. But she's a person that is so locked in on getting that basketball that sometimes the other four do that work and she just goes, grabs it because uh, she wants it in her hands for offensive transition. I don't have a problem with that. But there are times, like especially in a zone, you know, she has an area to box out. She needs to make sure she gets that weak side boxed out. Mm-hmm. In terms of what that does for you in transition, you guys were at another level in terms of transition scoring. You did it 22.7% of the time per synergy, which grants you, I, I want to say you were in the top 30 um, and perhaps even north of that. Yeah, number 30, exactly. Um, and so when you go back and look at what her specific defensive rebounds do in terms of making your transition offense go. Um, does that give you sort of a two for one benefit every time she's the one specifically who's able to grab those boards? Well, it does um, because, you know, usually we're looking to try to get the ball in her hands anyway. So it kind of takes that aspect out of that, you know, possible turnover from somebody else passing her the ball. Um, but, you know, I just think it's fun to run. I think that our fans really enjoy that style um, you know, to me, it's like, if I can run for 40 minutes and you come in as an opponent and you're not used to playing that style, then you might be able to hang with us for a half, but I don't think you can hang, hang with us in that fourth quarter. So, you know, our goal is to try to wear you down because we play like that every single day. The thing about Monica, and, you know, we talked about efficiency <clears throat> again, and, and, I guess the way I think of it is I feel like Iowa gets underrated a little bit because we talk about Caitlin Clark as, you know, doing things that a great guard does. And no, actually, when you look at the numbers, she's doing things no one has ever done. 
Uh, Monica is a similar scenario where her last three years, she's sixth, third, and second in the country in field goal percentage. She's making north of 67, 68% of her shots. I know obviously part of that is getting to play with great point guards, but what else is it about her? What is it that you are doing to teach your bigs consistently and your staff too, I know, which gets a ton of credit to be finishing the way they are? Well, first of all, Monica's led the country in field goal percentage shooting. Last year, she was 67% and led the country. This past year, she was 68%. How do you get better from 67 to 68? It's amazing. Um, but, you know, I think we're – we had um, <clears throat> Megan Gustafson, who also led the country in field goal percentage shooting. And, you know, Monica came in when Megan was here, and she got to learn. And she got to just see how hard Megan worked and how much Megan, you know, what kind of attitude she brought to practice every day and how coachable she was and how she was willing to listen. Even as a senior in March, she's willing to listen to try to improve her game. And, and Monica saw all that as a very impressionable freshman. Yeah. And so, you know, she just tried to emulate it. She was a sponge. And then Coach Jensen does such a great job. You know, she's our associate head coach and we've coached together for 30 years now, along with Jenny Fitzgerald and, I'm so blessed to have that consistency in my coaching staff. Um, but really, you know, Jan has our, 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 um, our post players. And I just think she does such a great job of footwork and ceiling and getting them to understand they don't need to dribble the basketball. Um, that, you know, read the defense, have the position before you catch the ball, and then just shoot the ball. It's not, it's not that, you know, complicated. But I think people try to overcomplicate post plays sometimes. I think they think they need to have, I have nine moves that I can go to, you know, when I'm doing my post moves. Well, how about just four basic moves? You know, why not just have four basic moves and do the same old boring thing really, really well over and over and over again? I don't mind that. No, and and it works. The the proof is in the pudding. Year, <clears throat> year after year, Lockdown Women's Basketball is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. These days, every potential new hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. I'm a small business owner. I know it well. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified job candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. I know for us over at The Next, it is so important, not just that you find somebody who is able to do the work, but somebody who fits in to the culture that we are building at thenexthoops.com. So I know it all too well. So you go ahead, add your job, and then the purple hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash LockedOnNBA. That's linkedin.com slash L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N-N-B-A to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Thank you for making Lockdown Women's Basketball your first listen today. Now make your second listen game-to-game -game NBA. Every moment, every top performance, every result. Locked On Game to Game covers every game from across the NBA with local analysis that only Locked On can deliver. Follow Game to Game on Locked On NBA, available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, 
wherever you get podcasts. To have Monica come back, can you just take me through what that conversation was like, you know, what you remember of it and how you felt in that moment? Because obviously this was a team that was going to contend for a national championship regardless. And, you know, you actually have significant depth at the big uh, position. I'm, we're going to get into Addison O'Grady, among others. Um, but, you know, to have her come back, to know you have that, um, you know, to bank on, well, you know, what was that moment like? It was tremendous. I, I had a conversation with her about a year ago from uh, right now, or maybe even a little bit earlier, just saying, I want you to think about this. You know, I want you to think about coming back for your COVID year. We're going to have a really good team. Um, you know, you could continue pursuing academically what she wants to go in pre-med. So, you know, it doesn't hurt her for, you know, having an extra year uh, paid for by any means and be able to compete as well. So, mm -hmm. um <clears throat> It didn't take her long. She got a big smile on her face when I had that meeting with her in my office. And it was really two days later, she came in and said, I'd like to come back for my fifth year. And we didn't tell anybody for a long time because I just didn't think it was anybody's business. But um, truly, we are so thankful to have her back because we did lose Sharon Goodman last year to an ACL tear. And Sharon was doing such a good job backing up Monica three years ago or well, two seasons ago. Um, you know, when Sharon was a freshman, doing such a great job and then tore ACL and she's been a little slow coming back from that. So we really um, are glad, really glad to have Monica and there's nobody more glad to have Monica back than Caitlin Clark. Cause that's mm -hmm. her favorite target. Oh, no doubt. I mean, the way they work together is, you know, it, it's just poetry in motion, uh, the two of them together, but even, you know, and you talked about Sharon a little slow to get back, you know, it seems like, and, and this was, you know, my view from afar is, that Addison O'Grady is on pace to be next in that long line of bids that you have had through the years. You know, even just as a freshman for her to be, I think she was north of 55% from the field, which is an awfully hard thing to do coming off the bench as a backup five. Her defense, you know, her athleticism at the five was significant. You know, what have you seen from her in early practices? And um, do you think that's a fair thing to put on her in terms of what she can be for you guys, you know, over the next few years? Yeah, and I would think that, you know, Sharon might have been in that role. Again, Sharon shot 55% as a freshman backing up Monica. And then Addie comes in as a freshman and does the same sort of thing. I'm really just waiting for one of them to rise the top. And I just had this conversation with Addie. You know, I just need her to be a little more physical. Like, watch Megan. Watch how Monica plays. I, I need her to be a little more physical. She's a little bit different player and that she was a really good volleyball player, too. And uh, so her timing is really good for block shots and rebounds and things like that. She's a really good athlete, but she doesn't have that, like, fire yet that uh that monica has that really is hard to get to embrace the contact to embrace that kind of just warrior mentality on the block um it's not her natural personality uh addie is a little bit more quiet where monica is a little more exuberant and so i really need addie i say i don't care you know what you're like off the court but on the court i need you to to, to kind of have that warrior type of ma mentality and I think she's starting to pick up on that because I think she could be really, really good if she understands, you know, starts embracing that. You, you got it. This is a hard job and you got to go do it every single day. Listen, Sylvia Fowles is the sweetest, gentlest person off the court. So there's, yeah. a, there's certainly 
precedents that she can uh, look to. And, uh, you know, you mentioned the volleyball, but that's my favorite single stat uh, from Addison O'Grady is that she was at 7.8% block percentage. And you could see there was, you know, that was despite being raw. That was despite being a freshman, still learning who she is on the basketball court. So uh, it, it is going to be fascinating to see. Obviously, it's a good problem to have to figure out how to navigate the three that's right. big. Um, that's right. We, we are almost 15 minutes in, and we somehow haven't gotten into the deeper dive about Caitlin Clark's sophomore year before we even think about what she can be as a junior. And I guess just philosophically, just kind of the bigger part of this is this is somebody, and, and, and again, for our listeners, you need to understand this isn't just hyperbole. You know, you, you, people throw, you know, the phrase build around all the time. This is somebody who had an assist percentage north of 40% as a freshman, which almost nobody has ever done. She increased it. She reduced her turnover percentage. She managed to do all this while crashing the boards, elevating her steals. Even her block shots went up year over year. So she improved on a freshman year that will stand the test of time. You know, I wrote a piece about this where her freshman year, you put it up against the senior years of even people like Sabrina Ionescu. And she was already at that level in terms of what she was able to do on the court. So I, I use that all as a framing of saying, as you're a coach trying to figure out what makes her even better as a junior, how hard is it to go and do that? And how do you set those expectations even for yourself when this is somebody who comes in already at playing at such an elevated level? Yeah, well, first of all, I'm thankful that I get the opportunity to coach her. I, I'm it is so much fun coaching this kid. Like I get so many oh wow moments in practice still, you know, from watching her pass to Monica or making some spectacular move. And it's just exciting. Our practices are exciting. We should probably sell tickets to those. But, mm -hmm. um, you know, what we do with, with, um, with Caitlin is you know, every, every spring, like every coach does, you sit down and you talk about ways you want to improve her game. And there's always something. And the thing is, she's so coachable. And she's probably already thought about it already. Like when, when we, when I come in and watch film with her, she knows what's going to happen. Like she either has watched the film already or she remembers it, the game so well um, that she already knows what I'm going to say most of the time. But if there is a couple of ways that we can improve her game, and I think finding those things that you can still improve on kind of keeps the carrot out there, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, okay, you're, you're shooting from the logo or you're got, you know, you led the country in point, points and assists. You know, I, I challenge her this year. Let's, let's go for double, double figure assists. Hmm. Uh, that would be really hard to do. Really, really hard to do, but why not? This is the year to do it. Let, I mean, so I'm having her hunt for her assists first. And then I'm also adding some post moves to her game because at five ten she's not a short post. And yeah. a lot of times they'll put, you know, a short guard on her. that's quick. And, um, you know, we want to, I want to get her to the free throw line because she's money there. And another way to get her to the free throw line besides her attacking the basket is getting her down there and posting her up and trying to get somebody in foul trouble that way. You know, take somebody out of their strength on the perimeter plane and put them into some place where they're unfamiliar playing defense and that's not the block. Um, so we're trying to do that. I'm trying to encourage her to go off two feet all the time, which sounds like a really basic fundamental, but she likes to stretch the ball out a little bit and sometimes that's effective, but you know, I worry about her getting hurt a little bit. Um, people come after her and, um, you know, I want her going off two feet. So she's got a little bit better about body balance. She mm -hmm. doesn't end up on the ground as much. doesn't end up on the ground underneath the backboard. She can get back and transition defense a little bit easier. 
So there's always things that we can work on. I'm telling you, you know, as coaches are never happy. And maybe that's a, that, that's a fun part about coaching her is that there's still so many things that we can do and, to make her better. For sure. And, you know, just in terms of hunting assists, that's the other part of it. You know, it's easy to focus on the long shots and there's a certain stereotype that goes along with that. And I just think people miss what she is as a playmaker. I, I still replay in my head. There was a, a, a pass she had in the final minute of the game when you guys were out here, out in East uh, playing Rutgers, that she was near midcourt and it was just threw it backwards over her head to find McKenna Warnock along the baseline uh, that helped seal the game. And it's just, you know, it's not reasonable to expect a human to be able to know how to deliver that pass, let alone to know that such a pass is possible. So, you know, that, that does take me though to like your offensive flow. And there's a set of numbers that I really love. Um, You are, not anywhere near the top in percentage of points from the free throw line, you're 171st. Percentage of points from two, 196. Percentage of points from three, 194. Now, why is that? Not because you're not productive from those spots, but because you're productive from all of those spots. Two-pointers made you 12th in the country. Three-pointers made you were 40th. Free throws made you were 8th in the country. It's just that you do all of those things well. It's balanced. It's all three levels. And so that makes me wonder when you are on the recruiting trail, when you are looking for players, for a Lisa Bluter player, how important is it to find somebody who's scoring at all three levels? Is that the first box to check? For perimeter players, yes. For post players, we're looking for a little bit something differently. Okay. Uh, but for my, you know, my four perimeter players, they have to be a little bit offensive minded or they're not going to catch my attention because that is such a big part of our game and part yeah. that I love. You know, I'm an Iowa six on six girl. So, I mean, I'm all about the offense. Uh, so, um, yes, if they have to be able to score mostly from three uh, mm-hmm. because I and then putting the ball down the floor. I mean, I want them to be explosive getting the ball off the floor. And we're also looking for kids that can read defenses that can understand that I don't want to shoot this ball over three people. But instead I'm going to find my open person over here to pass the ball to. So yeah, when I'm looking at players, the first thing I'm definitely looking at is, you know, do they have that three, that three stroke? Somebody who would have played for you, I think, uh, is Molly Bolin. And so you actually <laughs> took me to my final question, which is that it feels so much like you are playing a game in the legacy of those six-on-six games, that you are playing in a way that reflects. And, and, and I've spent so much of my time, you know, even just watching old, old video of the way Molly played. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, just the fact that we have um, a legacy there that it feels like you are living out. And I wonder, it, it's so hard because you have to challenge in the moment, right? And you have to be competing for today. And I know that has to be part of it. But as you are here, you're here at Iowa where there is such a women's basketball legacy. And then, like I said, you're in the shadow of six on six as well. How much do you think about that? Do you ever let yourself think about the way in which this is a really natural outgrowth, a really logical follow in a story arc that's decades and decades old now? Yeah. And, uh, you know, I grew up in high school going in college, going to watch Machine Gun, Molly Boland play for the Iowa Cornets. And so um, definitely, you know, Iowa just has that tradition. Like you said, we've had women's basketball for over a hundred years here in this state. Um, Jan Jensen's grandma, won the 1920 
Uh, she was MVP of the 1920 state championship team. And uh, they called her, her nickname was Lottie because she scored a lot of baskets. Um, you know, just the tradition is here. And, you know, you're looking at Jan Jensen, Jenny Fitzgerald, myself, we're six on six players. We're, you know, a former. And so offense just comes naturally to us and the love of offense, the love of scoring and, um, just the beauty of it, I think we respect a little bit more because we have had it in this state for so long and we were entrenched in that history. Uh, but we're really proud this year we're celebrating 50 years of women's basketball at the University of Iowa. And we're having a great celebration in May about that, but um, just thrilled that I've been able to be here for as long as I have of the 50 years. And so when we think about what this year can be, um, I know it's hard to put expectations. I know it's hard to, uh, you know, to set that, but you, you know, you have to, I'm sure at some moments feel like, well, th this is a team that really could be the last one standing. Is that something that, ha have you let your mind go to that? You know, or is that part of the way you talk to your team uh, as well? I'm just wondering how you sort of navigate those expectations. Yeah. And I think the first thing is navigating the big 10 right now, the big 10 has six, teams ranked in the top 25 the most of any conference so you know just I mean having your goal to try to win this and unbelievable conference will set you up for going deep into that NCAA tournament and mm -hmm. you know my players are smart they know we have everybody back they see the polls they know what that is but we don't talk about it all the time and I think when you talk outwardly to your expectations to other people so many people just want to throw that back in your face if you don't reach them uh, and I hate that, you know, so we kind of keep our, our goals a little bit close to ourselves because, um, you know, you, there's a lot of naysayers out there. There's a lot of people that want to tear you down. And so, you know, why let them, you know, as long as we believe in the locker room, what we believe, that's the most important thing to me. And the good thing is you've given yourself a nice, soft, easy schedule before the Big Ten. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> ten, um, I think we have 10 opponents right now on our schedule that are ranked in the top 25 and several more that are receiving votes. I um, mean, it's going to be tough. You know, you're going to Drake, Belmont out, out in Iowa City, uh, Oregon State in Oregon, and then from there, Duke or Connecticut, before we even talk about NC State, uh, the Seahawks Iowa, series, always, you know, I mean, it's just. Iowa State, yeah. I, I, I Listen, by, by the time I get to see you, when you come east and uh, you got Maryland on February 21st at Maryland, mm -hmm. which would be a really critical one late. And like you said, you know, I don't think there's much argument. The big 10 is the best conference in the country in terms of you look at mm -hmm. talent top to bottom, but it, you're, you're going to know who your team is. That's for sure. Certainly by the time you get to big 10 play. And so, you know, I guess the last point I'd leave you with is, you know, clearly people at Carver Hawkeye arena have caught on. Nobody needs me to tell them to go see the fireworks show. Do you feel as if, in this last couple of years, because I think we saw it. We saw it at Rutgers. There was a significant contingent rooting for you in the stands. And that feels like almost that next level for a program, right? The program gets to the point where it's everywhere you go, you are drawing an audience. Does that does that feel that way to you, especially as the season went on last year and you know more and more people were able to be in the stands as we moved past the COVID restrictions? You know, last year when we filled Carver the last three games of the year, that kind of felt like we have taken this to a different level. Cause you know, when you come into a program, you know, you walk into Carver the first time and you see all those seats and you think, man, I would love to fill this place. Wouldn't it be fun to fill this place? And then to have it happen three times in a row, not just once, but three times in a row was really fulfilling. 
But like you say, when you go on the road and you've got people that are coming out just to see our team play, it's kind of that Michael Jordan effect, right? Like, you know, everybody wanted to go even on the road and see Michael Jordan. Well, that's kind of Caitlin, you know, last year, we were at Nebraska and this little girl had this sign and it said, Caitlin, can I have your shoelaces? And after the game, Caitlin went over and not only gave her shoelaces, but gave her both shoes. And, and I mean, it's just things like that. Like, I think the women um, are so good in our game at speaking to the next level and being role models and being great ambassadors of our game. And, and Caitlin made that girl cry. Uh, she might have been an, a corn husker, you know, going into that arena, but she was an Iowa Hawkeye fan coming out of it. Uh, and that's just because of the generosity of the young women that are on our team. It is uh, a wonderful thing to see. Caitlin clearly understands what has come before and what is ahead. And so it's fascinating to see. Well, we, we didn't get to everything, and that's just fine because we're going to cover you all the time anyway and have a lot more to talk about when it comes to your team. Lisa Bluter, thank you for everything. Thank you for your time and really looking forward to having the opportunity to keep on covering your team. Well, Howard, thank you. Thanks for all that your coverage of college women's basketball. I know you do a great job with the WNBA as well. And But we just appreciate your coverage of our great game. It's growing even more in popularity. And it's because of people like you, Howard, that put so much in and getting the word out about how great our game is. So thank you, Howard. Appreciate it. I think, I think people know it is extremely my pleasure to do so. And Lockdown Women's Basketball, your first listen every day. For your next listen, check out the Lockdown Sports Today podcast. The biggest story of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and take of the day. Available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get podcasts. So to our listeners, thank you for being here. Thanks for being here every day. We will, of course, be with you back again tomorrow. Like I said, six days a week over at thenexttubes.com. We got a huge Big Ten preview like we do for every major college uh, conference, along with many of the mid-majors as well. Our top 25 is out there right now. Until next time, I'm Howard Megdahl wishing you a wonderful day. Are Locked On Women's Basketball. Your daily podcast on women's basketball. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. <laughs>